Accessing library computer data. Out there, there are no saints. Just people. Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. Continuing our run-through of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Right now we're up to the episode called One Little Ship. It's the 14th episode of the sixth season. Aired on February 18th, 1998. Written by Bradley Thompson and David Weddle. Directed by Alan Croker. In this episode, O'Brien, Dax, Bashir, and their runabout are reduced in size while investigating an anomaly. Meanwhile, the Jem'Hadar attack and commandeer the Defiant, leaving the runabout crew with no choice but to take their miniature ship inside the Defiant and help Cisco and the others recapture the vessel. We're joined by Clay. Clay, how are you? Wes, I have followed the instructions set out by the song and taken off all my clothes because it is hot in here. <laughs> it's a hot day. <laughs> there is uh, a fiery explosion in this episode, which kind of fits things. But yeah, we're we're sweltering in the middle of uh, July, I think, right now, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. we're gonna have a we're gonna have a pretty cool episode to talk about, Clay, so it won't be any oh, issues for you. That's why you're a professional. <laughs> I'm um yeah, I blasted the AC. People don't really care about this, but fuck them. I, I had to blast the AC in the room, and it's already starting to fade away. Like, the room is already starting to feel a little bit warmer because I can't keep mm. the AC on, obviously, as we're talking. Much yeah. like I'm sure it does when you are forcibly shrunken down to uh, inches high and propelled towards a star? Yeah. I forget exactly what it was. Was it a star? Uh, Nebula? The the anomaly thing? that they yeah. were. Yeah, uh, anomaly. <laughs> here we go. Insert Insert space thing here. <laughs> I um, yeah. Well, and I think that the smaller you get, uh, according to the science of the episode, the temperature rises by billions of degrees. I would assume. Let's let's start there after we take a break. I'm going to take a break. I'm going to play an audio clip, and me and Clay are going to come back and break down one little ship. So, uh, how small are they? The miniaturization process won't begin until the runabout reaches the edge of the accretion disk. I see, and uh, then they'll begin to shrink. Yes, sir. Major, are you laughing at our investigation of this subspace anomaly? No, sir. The data collected here could provide Starfleet with the key to creating transwarp corridors through space. It could give us a substantial tactical advantage over the Dominion. Yeah, it's very important research. What? I'm not laughing. Just because we are shrinking three people to the size of coffee cups. (laughs) Smaller, actually. I do not see what is so humorous about being small. Neither do I. <laughs> okay, so I kind of made a sort of weird non non-related joke about the temperature to open this up. But I have one thing to say about this episode, Clay, which is that mm. we uh we normally don't really care about the science stuff. We don't really care too much about the lore. That's kind of like a thing that we both share while watching Star Trek and stuff. We're not concerned about where the ship is on a map, like what planet is next to what planet, how long it takes to get somewhere, except mm-hmm. when something's really strange. And I found the they have a they have a line in here where O'Brien, Dax, and Bashir shrink, right? And they're like, you mm-hmm. have to go into the control panel and unplug a wire and plug it back in somewhere else. And you're going to be small and the computer chips are going to be huge. And Dax says, you're going to be so small that the oxygen molecules are too big for you to breathe. Mm. And I find that very distracting. Am I, is my science way off in thinking that a centimeter tall man should not have any problem breathing oxygen <laughs> like how you how know, big do they think these atoms are that we're breathing in well first of all i uh 
if I hadn't watched the episode two days ago and had a better recollection of it, my hot joke would have been more attuned to the, the scene where they're both really hot, <laughs> which I completely <laughs> forgot about until you mentioned it. Um, but secondly, uh, I didn't re- I don't think I realized she said that in the episode. I must have missed that, but I did, or maybe I like it subconsciously, like, uh, I osmoted it or something because at a certain point I did find myself actually thinking that same thing where I was like, if you're that small, is it harder to breathe because the molecules would be bigger? Well, did, and then I was like, wait a minute, molecules are still pretty friggin' small, so I think I think you'll be fine. Did you get that? Because they when they come back from that mission, they're out of breath. Like the whole the whole ticking clock of that is that Dax says she's going to beam some compressed air into the panel right. so that they'll be able to breathe, but. I, I found that like distractingly seems seeming to be untrue. Like I, I small little animals breathe the same air that we breathe. Why? Right. Yeah. Why would it make any difference? So like you, you seem to be really over well, uh, estimating the size of an oxygen atom. And yeah, molecule. I guess. I, I mean, I, I'm I'm not a uh, lung scientist, <laughs> a pulmonologist. Uh, you would you would say? Yeah. Sure. Yes. Uh, if you're being pretentious, <laughs> I didn't spend six years at pulmonary college to not get my title right. Uh, but, um, I, I don't, I mean, you could say that smaller animals that are born that way are specifically, their lungs are specifically designed to, to function with that sort of air intake versus if you're just shrinking down a human, I don't know. I think the answer is (laughs) probably it would be fine (laughs) to bring us back into why I would, if anything, if anything, I think it would be easier because you'd be taking in air quicker, oxygen quicker. Uh, well, because little animals have like faster metabolisms, right? Because they right. they need yeah. to for whatever reason. I could see it. I could see it being a problem if you were turned into like giant man, where yeah. you are now yeah. having to work harder to get in the base level amount of oxygen you need to survive. But right. uh, as far as going smaller, I mean, it's not like it's not like these molecule, molecules are the size of you know billiard balls yeah although ant-man didn't get tired in the end game fight at the end when he's gigantic running so he seemed to be okay with that i guess well you know they have they have all sorts of technology <laughs> that can help uh smooth out those plot elements that don't really matter to bring it uh to bring it back to stuff that we normally do talk about i think that that uh small that oxygen thing is kind of a a small example of what i think about this episode which is that mm. i would describe this episode as being the opposite of the uh the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. I, I feel that the parts are, are better in this episode than the actual yeah. end result ends up being. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of one of them, mostly just because that thing is a totally contrived reason to kind of put a ticking clock on their situation. There's no real reason that they can't well, breathe that fast. I mean, the whole episode is sort of a contrived reason to do an episode. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's true. It, the, I mean, the, I, I, and it's, un, it's unfair for me to say that because, like, what is it? What is if we're going to get existential about it, what is a show but a contrived reason to, you know, do anything? Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I, I thought I this was an episode that I enjoyed scene to scene. I think I, I hadn't really thought about it until you said it, but as soon as you said it, I, I think I agree with you. Um, I enjoyed it scene to scene. I didn't think there was anything wrong with it, but it was just like, okay, I guess, you know, this is what we're doing this week. It, it didn't... Um, it didn't strike me as particularly memorable um, or I mean, and it really kind of stood out as a more episodic old school episode, even though there was stuff about the Jem'Hadar and, and whatnot. But the Jem'Hadar stuff didn't 
it wasn't really tied to the Dominion or the war or anything. It was just kind of like, well, let's use these guys and, and do something kind of fun with these guys. Yeah. The Alphas and the Gammas, uh, the, uh, the the split yeah. between the Jem'Hadar. Does that does uh does that stuff matter moving forward? Like, is is that a, a new thing where the new species is going to be making a play for dominance or whatever? Nope, never mentioned again after this. Oh, good. So th- that, um, that that's kind of my my perspective of the sums not mattering is that it it feel that plot line in particular feels like it's going to amount to something but it ends up just being sort of a time killer in the episode like there's yeah there, there's a weird scene in this one where the Jem'Hadar is uh one Jem'Hadar comes up and says like i've run a scan of this thing and he says i didn't tell you to do that and he says i took initiative he says you're great you're going to be my second in command when this is all over what what's the point of that scene that that doesn't there's no reason for those two to have that conversation because you never see that promotion happen so it's not like this is a Jem Hadar that you're like, oh, it's interesting. He's going to be like the new number two and he's going to change the way that the episode goes. It all just feels very pointless and that mm. you're just writing it in to cause the characters to have to do something or have something to discuss, which is the way I feel about the oxygen. On a, on a big level, you're right that all episodes are constructed problems for people, but like the, the oxygen in that conversation feel like they're constructed just to fill space as opposed to like even being, even being a minor part of an overall story. It just feels like they're just a separate little part that doesn't really fit into the whole jigsaw very cleanly. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, um, I mean, the thing with the species and, and, and any arguing about that stuff is just in service of the, uh, the new young guy seems to think he knows everything, but it's the old guy who actually knows how things are run plot line. And, yeah. You know, that's about it, which I was thinking as I was watching, has there ever been a story where a new, young guy comes in to take over for the for the older guy and the young guy actually is better at his job than the old guy moneyball it's always <laughs> moneyball yeah that's about it yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's always it's always the young guy comes in and is just looks like a complete asshole yes um yeah i watched uh recently that um kevin costner woody harrelson movie highwaymen on netflix mm, any good got terrible reviews uh it's not great it's yeah. um how do I put this? Uh, it has a. I feel like it is a very specific algorithmic movie for a very specific demographic. In that the movie is about um, an old, an older law enforcement agent, basically just telling young people that they're stupid the entire time in the service of trying to hunt down two other young people who are very dangerous who he then uh, murders very violently with a machine gun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so take from that what you will. Yeah. Uh, but it was, that's what it was. It was like two hours of Kevin Costner knowing better than the young people, which gets kind of tiring after a while. Yeah, sure. And th- this one kind of reflects that, or at least it's, it's the same trope of, of uh, the, the older, the older Jem Hadar, who's going to retire because he's 20 years old or whatever. At this point, he's a respected elder. Uh, has the young hotshot come in and it's just you know maybe it would have amounted to something if they ever come back to this they don't Mm -hmm. and i i don't even actually know what the point of that conflict is between the jemhadar in this episode it it doesn't it doesn't amount to much of anything like the it it fills screen time because these two are having sort of a, a bickering conflict between each other and the only thing i will say is that 
I do love the ending where they shoot the older Jem'Hadar after they finally fight back and they retake the Defiant and he dies uh, leaning against the warp core. That was almost like unintentionally brilliant on some level because he was saying victory is life and he had lost and then he died, which was yeah. kind of a cool twist. And I, mm. I, I assume that's intentional, but I, I don't know if the whole plot oh, was worth so, getting yeah. to that point. But it was like a clever little it was a clever little spin on a species saying something that's always their motto. And then because they did not complete their motto, the bad result happens. And I just thought it was kind of a neat take on uh, that kind of like catchphrase for a species. Yeah, I also liked um, I, I liked that they, f- as much as I can remember, kind of forewent the uh, any Cisco um having mutual respect for the older Jem Hadar or whatever. Mm-hmm. It was just like, he just, you know, it was, they were just enemies. And then when Cisco got free and they, whatever, he was like, yeah, you, you, he, he should have listened to you. You should have killed me. Now I win. You're dead. Yeah. Yeah. They had that, they had that really, I, I think actually thinking about the episode more makes me <laughs> dislike it a little bit more, but they had that, they had an incredibly clunky scene where the older Jem Hadar takes Cisco to the engine room and Cisco's like, so what's the plan here? And the Jem Hadar's like, oh, Bob is the worst. He's this yeah. new gamma guy and everything like this. It's new alpha Jamhadar and they're just screwing everything up. I really hate him. I would love to get rid of him. And Cisco's like, Listen. anything else? And he goes, I've told you enough. <laughs> Listen, I know we've just met and it's not the best circumstances, but can I vent to you for one second? Oh my God. I can't believe it. It was just, it, it's a lot of writing like that. This is written by Bradley Thompson and David Weddle, who took over for Robert Hewitt Wolf, who left at the end of the last season. Uh, they were writers before that, but they became staff writers at this point. Uh, really up and down writing duo uh, for this point going forward. They also wrote that uh, Keiko gets possessed episode, uh, if you remember cool. that one. So there, there, uh, there's definite, definitely um, the Power Wraiths. Yes. That was the introduction of the Power Wraiths. Oh, right. Yeah, okay. They they write no, those. They also have some really good ones coming up, but I think this one definitely fits into their mix of they're either very good or very bad, and I think that this mm. one f- fits more in towards the bad thing. I, I I don't even think it's it's that bad, and I don't even know if it's I would say that it's too episodic because I think it fits into the DS Nine stuff. What I thought was really funny about it was that the ep- the show itself was super meta about how episodic of an episode this was, where Kira is laughing about the plot line in the start <laughs> of it. She's like, "We're going to shrink." We're gonna be tiny. We're gonna be yeah. tiny like this midget Ferengi over here. And they Nog's like, "Hey, hey, don't don't talk about me like that." But you're gonna it, be tiny like this fucking small piece of shit guy over here. <laughs> but it's a um, and Cisco's log, I think, is just like this is a nice break from the war. We're going to do this for 45 minutes. It's just kind we're of we're going uh, to miniaturize Bashir and O'Brien, and we're all going to laugh at them after it happens. And it, you know, it, and I thought it was fine. It just it it felt like a it, it felt like a little bit of a I don't want to say pointless, but I just feel that the parts of no, the episode didn't come it. together. You can say it. I can say it. Yeah, it was it was fine. It was it was it was uh, it was a less annoying version of the one in TNG when they all turn into like twelve year olds. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I guess. Yeah, I'm surprised TNG didn't actually have a shrinking episode. But I I don't want to get caught in the thing of every episodic episode like standalone right, feeling pointless. Right, like yeah. I I don't. That's the tough. That's the tough thing at this point is what. Once you make the shift to serialization, anything outside of that stands out. Yeah, but uh, I guess but, I would say that I wouldn't complain if the episode was really good, you know? Right, yeah, that's the thing. It's like, it's not, I mean, I don't think the complaint is that it's episodic. It's just that it's, like, fairly forgettable and, and not really 
doesn't really amount. I mean, it's it's fun. You know, it, it's one of those episodes where it's like if you enjoy the characters and you enjoy hijinks and don't want everything to always be about, uh, you know, uh, uh, race war and uh, intergalactic genocide, then uh, yeah, this is this is fine. Do they do enough with the shrinking? I'm always surprised by how little they do with the shrinking. My favorite part of the shrinking is when the ship at the end, when they're retaking it, is firing photon tor- tiny photon torpedoes at people um, <laughs> and, and hitting them. I, I really enjoy that. But I, I'm honestly, besides the great, I will say it's a great set design of when they're on the tiny circuit board uh, yes, and they're looking yeah. up at stuff. I really like that. But I feel they don't really do much with the shrinking because a lot of it is just from the point of view of them being shrunk in the ship. And yeah. you, you don't get perspective. There's no scene of him like, you know, them climbing up Cisco's collar or something, trying to like right, tell him right, something right. or anything like that. We only have so many dollars. Here. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm surprised that they never get out of the ship, but again, you know, budgetary wise, I kind of, I kind of get that they don't. Yeah. Um, is yeah, that the right show uh, for it then at that point? Like, is it the right idea? If you can't really take advantage of that, is there, is it the right idea for a show like this? I, I thought they just could have had, they could have had ways to go. I would have felt it would have been I, more original. I thought that they also kind of didn't really do the best job. Well, I mean, obviously once they get tiny and the ship is flying around. Yeah. But, um, they had this, this, this scene that really irked me, uh, when they first realized that they are stuck being small and they're outside of the defiant. Yep. And they do this like exterior shot, you know, pullback to show this tiny ship and then the Defiant. But I'm watching it going like this shot doesn't work because you're in space. You, it's a very no, it's a very bad POV. It's a yeah, it's a horrible way to show the difference in size between the two of them. Exactly. Yeah, you can't. There's nothing. There's nothing to base it on around you to uh, have a frame of reference about how big X and Y are. So even so, in that case, if you've got no background. And you've got this is why, you know, this this works in drawing too. This is why horizon lines are important. Um, if you've got nothing to anchor your two things on, then you have no idea if something is tiny or if it's just far away, you right. know? Yep. <clears throat> they didn't even like there was no shadow or anything, there was no overlap. Uh so it was very difficult to and it's too bad because they it was a it was a nice kind of like pullback reveal, but they pulled back to reveal and I was like, I don't really know what they're trying to tell me. Right. You well you can't see the ship the little ship anymore. Like it, it pulls out so far and moves the the runabout out of frame basically. Yeah. Like moves it so far out that you, you can't compare the sizes of the two ships. And you yeah. know that they're big because they have a pre- previous dialogue scene where they're like, What's this giant they say like giant letter or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like, what the hell is that? I think the problem is that they are so small that you can't, you can't do the honey. I shrunk the kids thing of like the uh, Cheerio bowl thing. you like, you can't, right, right, right. you can't show the scale because they are so small that anything on the defiant would be so large. You could not tell what it was in the first place. Yeah. So yeah. they're what kind I, of in a tough spot. What I would have done is I would have had, I would have had a close up of the, the, the runabout flying, next to the defiant like very close to it so you can see the pieces going by and then you do a pull out that way so the defiant then gets bigger but the runabout gets smaller right and, and then the, you yeah, have the, the things sort of overlapped so you can see with the difference in size yeah yeah <clears throat> yeah um i'd agree with that that was, pro- I, I that that was, was probably strange. a lot harder to do then than it, you probably now but. right with the um because there's still models at this point i think mm. looked like a model shot anyway um yeah i 
I'm I'm always a little bit disappointed by how little they do with it there at the very end. I will say that this episode does one thing fantastically, which is kind of unique for Star Trek. The uh, the ending scenes are a couple jokes, like it's mm. it's multiple jokes in a row, and all the jokes are pretty good, which I think is kind of a rare thing for Star <laughs> Trek to do. It normally ends on one joke, but here they've got a couple. Uh, Worf's poem to Jadzia is maybe the mm. greatest Worf joke that the series has ever done i think um where he is pulling her leg but our understanding of the character is that he's such a stick up his ass character that he would never joke around like that yeah yeah and i think that's a really cool turn for Worf at that point they also have him smile too which yeah. i don't think i've ever seen before when it was very strange <laughs> not, not was, seriously yeah yeah Worf, Worf smiling is as strange to me. It's one of those things that you don't think about because you've never seen it but then when you do see it it's very off-putting mm-hmm. much like I believe I mentioned this in the podcast about this as well. How off-putting it was when I to see Chewbacca's hands in The Force Awakens. Because <laughs> if you've never seen Chewbacca's hands, if you had to tell me what his hands look like right now, you could not tell me what they look like. Right. And but then they needed a shot of him setting a bomb in The Force Awakens, so they do this close-up insert shot of his hands, and it was very distracting. <laughs> and and the uh, the other joke that I like <clears throat> is um, Odo gives Bashir and O'Brien a hard time about yeah, not being good. the full like size, yeah. which is really good. I think I think both of them work just because they're very in-character jokes. For Even though Worf is sort of against the grain, it works with how you understand his character. And Odo being a changeling who's like, I notice things like this, it really sells the the uh, the concern that Bashir and O'Brien would think at that point. And having having that tall woman yes. stand up from <laughs> leaning on the bar helped a lot, too. I thought I thought it was really well done. Very, that, that's, very good. A, that's very good uh, visual joke telling right yes, there, to yes, have that tall yeah. woman stand up with the camera looking up at her as they're below her, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but outside of that, really, the Jem'Hadar don't come back, doesn't amount to anything. Cisco dealing with the sort of like sabotaging their endeavor is one of those really frustrating things where an enemy allows their enemy to work on their own ship without apparently any supervision about what they're doing. Yeah. You know, it's just like, ah, who cares? And yeah. then the tiny ship doesn't amount to anything. The The problem with the conceit of, of it is like, I feel like even though it's a, an important ship at that point, it's either you let the crew work on their own ship or just blow the ship up. You're talking you know, from a Jem'Hadar perspective. Yeah, because yeah. like you, you can't trust them. If you can't fix the ship, you either pull it behind your ship or something or you blow the ship up. You don't yeah. let them work on it. But obviously, you know, I'm not going to give them too much crap for that because you got to have a story. So. Why did they want to capture them? Is there a reason for that? I can't. I don't think I do they say. Remember. I don't think they say anything about why they want the Defiant to be in one piece or anything like that. They've been blowing I, up ships all over the place. You know, one of the the the, the things I'm worried about with the Jem'Hadar and, I, and it's. It is uh, inherent. It's an inherent problem to having a, a, a species like them, who are supposed to be as ruthless and intense as they are, and constantly putting them up against people whose names are in the credits. Is that there are instances like this where you think the Jem'Hadar should show up and just fucking kill everybody? Yeah. And but then they show up and they're all of a sudden very diplomatic. And there's one guy who just is like a really good talker for some reason. Right. <laughs> um. You know, and it's it, it. I feel like you can get away with that f- to an extent, but it's like, well, how? It's sort of the inverse problem of when you set up an un- unkillable villain, and then all eventually, it's like, oh, well, obviously, we need to kill these things, so we have to. We can't just have one of them 
uh, destroy everybody yep. because we up the stakes by saying now there's a thousand of them. It's like, okay, but now there's a thousand of them. And for some reason, they're easier to kill. Right. It's the inverse of that. Um, so, I mean, I don't really know what the answer is because you obviously just can't have the Jem'Hadar show up and just slaughter everybody every time. But Yeah. the Bo- You know, the Borg are actually an interesting twist on that where one is not threatening at all. Yeah. Yeah. But it still kind of is, you know? Yeah, it's scary, but you, you kill them easy enough when there's one of them, but then they just keep yeah. coming, and you're like, oh, good. I, they're kind of like zombies, I suppose, and that, that's, zombies yeah, are the same yeah. thing, yeah. Or like a mouse. Right, exactly. <laughs> you know, it's like one, one mouse, not one a mouse isn't threatening, but you're kind of still put off by it, and you would like it out of your house. Yeah. But you also have, but the thing in the back of your mind is, there's probably a lot more mice in this house. We, uh, we, we had a mouse in the house uh, recently. Or over the winter, it's actually worse because they come inside. Um, yeah. And we we put down we put down a trap. Uh, and it, like we we go to bed and you hear the trap snap in the kitchen. You're like, oh, got him. And then you you put down another trap. You're like, we'll see what happens. Snap, got that one. You're like, all right, we'll put down a, put another snap. And eventually, you're like, I don't know if I bought enough traps to deal with the <laughs> the extent of the mouse problem. We did only there was only three, but for a brief moment in time, you're thinking we must have an infestation. Uh, unlike anything that has ever been seen before, and hopefully these traps are going to get to the end of it. So we we also had a mouse uh, this past winter, and uh, I didn't do traps because I'm a coward. So I just put down rat poison mm. and uh, have them die I, in the wall and smell them. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I was that's what I figured is I didn't want to deal with any corpses. Um, yeah. yeah. But you know, I put this rat poison down, and it just kept getting eaten, like fistfuls of this stuff was just gone yeah. and i was getting really worried i was like holy shit what is living in our walls or in Plis- our basement? Pliskin is apparently a superhuman dog or something like yeah, that. No, yeah, no, no. These were like inside cabinets, so oh, there was God. no way he was going to get to it. So it was whatever was coming in was eating this shit. And I'm like, okay, there's either 1,400 mice in our house that are just all chowing down on this rat poison or there's like one unkillable mouse or this rat poison doesn't work. I, I, it was either – it must have been the last one because I eventually caught the mouse and it was this tiny little mouse. And I let him – I caught him in a no-kill thing and I, I let him go outside and we haven't had a problem since. But that means that there was one fucking mouse unless he was the lone survivor. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. There was one tiny mouse who ate like at least half a pound of rat poison <laughs> and did not die. <laughs> Rat poison is pretty. Isn't rat poison is like antifreeze and broken glass and stuff. Like rat poison. I don't know what it is. Yeah. Uh, Maybe it's just. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's just bad rat poison. Maybe it was just not good. I don't know. But he (laughs) ate a lot of it. Unless he was just you know the haggard survivor of of after I had killed his family or something. I don't know. Yeah. The uh, the rat poison factory the guy's like oh shit that last batch mixed up the uh, the powdered sugar with the arsenic. I I wonder what's going to happen. What's going to happen here. Uh, do we have anything else to talk about with... I don't think I have anything else to talk about with One Little Ship, really. It's a whatever uh, kind of episode. Um, yeah. Did you have anything you want to say? Um, Not really. I think we covered it all. Yeah. You know, it's... I appreciate the attempt to keep the Dominion sort of up front in it. It, it just doesn't amount to much of anything. And I, I feel to to just kind of close out on your point about the Jem Hadar. I feel like a little bit of violence from the Jem Hadar would go a long way. Like, you know, maybe execute one person here so i kind of feel like the gem hadar do mean business in that sense where they're they're not so easily uh beatable or at least like their their viciousness comes through in a way that shows on screen instead of being diplomatic with each other and kindly escorting cisco very politely to where he needs to go all the time mm, mm. 
That's it. One little ship. We're going to take a break, play an audio clip, and then me and Clay will come back. We'll read some patron thoughts and then give our final thoughts. I'm flooding all the compartments except the engine room with anesthesine gas. Major, get that virus out of the computer before someone on the bridge engages the warp drive. Aye, sir. He should have listened to you and killed me when he had the chance. He was a first. They don't need to listen. Obedience brings victory. And victory is... Alright everybody, so if you want to support the show, the best way to do that is patreon.com slash thepenskyfile. If you go there, a couple dollars a month, you get extra stuff, extra podcasts. And our Captain Cheer <laughs> supporters get a shout out. So Andrew Cherlog, Ben Douglas, Bradley Killens, Captain Quark, Cardinal Doomsday, Christian Pouch, David K, Dwayne Hackett, Eric Johnson, Yarpy, Joint Mango, Kevin Reyes, Kyle Barrett, Matt Cutler, Matt Ross, Mike Burnett, Nathan Elliott, Neil Brennan, Nick Sergi, Robert Cummins, Russell Elledge, Samuel Custer, Grim Santo, Sean Spinobi, Stephen Cobb, Tark Latif, and Will Yates. Thank you guys very much for supporting the show. It's much appreciated. And I think that's it. Patreon.com slash the file if you want to support the show, if you're enjoying the content. All right, Clay, let's go to patron comments here. Mm, patrons get to leave their thoughts if they are patrons at Patreon.com. Uh, so, Control Wait. F. Before we start, should we count how many small puns people make? Sure. You keep a running okay. tally. I'll, I'll go right. through this. Uh, one little ship. Fantastic voyage, Star Trek style. And after the last weighty tour de force, it was nice to be sure that we were back in our sci-fi universe. Oh, this is Matt Ross, by the way. But it was beyond preposterous. I mean, torpedoes like spitballs. Shouldn't the phasers and torpedoes blow holes in people? No one notices the shuttle or its exhaust trail. Whatever. It's ridiculous in every scene. Point Extra G says, one little ship. Sometimes you just got to embrace the absurd. That might be, that, that's, that might be a better, that might be a pretty good, uh, I think I should have just read that for the podcast. I think that's that's a fairly uh, good point. Um, not that it sounded condescending, but that, that's a very good uh, synopsis of the episode, I guess. Uh, Captain Quark, one little ship. A silly but non-offensive adventure. It's nice to see a lighter tone mixed in every now and then. By the way of contrast, I'd much prefer one little ship over another Ferengi episode. It's a bit ridiculous, however, that the genetically enhanced soldiers like the Jem'Hadar don't notice the ship zooming around, shrunken or not. Speaking of which, my favorite part of the episode was actually the subplot about internal strife within the Jem'Hadar. On a final note, did the miniature computer set that Bashir, uh, miniature computer set that Bashir and O'Brien interacted with in the conclusion remind anyone else of a 1990s Nickelodeon game show? Mm. Uh, would that be? You, you, can you not say it because of copyright reasons? Or? <laughs> is it Double Dare? I assume. I assume, it's, I assume so. <laughs> I assume it's Double Dare. Yeah. With the uh, the. <laughs> Shh, don't say it. The, the, we don't want to get sued. O'Brien's pulling flags out of a big Mark, snotty nose. Mark Mark Summers is very litigious. <laughs> uh, no pun so far, Clay. Zam Nuclear Wessel says, down here. One little ship. I wonder if the switch from Gamma to Alpha Jem'Hadars was so it would be okay for them to be cannon fodder for the rest of the show without any further attempts to understand them. That's, that's actually interesting. That does kind of uh, hand wave the problem where it's like these guys are just worse. Right. We, we made new ones and they're not as good as the old ones. Yeah, forget about all the philosophical conundrums about what it's like to fight a species of drug-addicted uh, genetically altered people these guys are just kind of dicks so they deserve it they deserve oh wait a minute so is that the thing are the new ones not catch cell white powered no they are they have the tubes oh they are okay yeah they don't seem they don't seem to be any different and i'm i'm 99 percent sure this is never brought up again i don't think it's even mentioned at any point so cool uh let's see here someone let me know if i'm wrong but i think i'm okay with that 
Samuel S. said, uh, one little, uh, he didn't say, uh, but he says, one little ship. This episode is another classic example of a Federation starship being taken over way too easily. That aside, I think it's pretty good. Fun watching O'Brien and Bashir interact with each other and the conflict between the Alphas and the Gammas was also interesting. Four out of five. I do, I do always find it kind of hilarious when, um, the conceit of the episode is a bunch of people just randomly teleport onto the ship. Yeah. And everyone is surprised by it. <laughs> it's like, can you do that or can you not do that? Because I feel like it should happen a lot more if you can do that. Yeah, yeah. It, it's all kind of they, – they apparently appeared on the other side of the anomaly or something and couldn't get their, couldn't get their sensors together or something like that. Sure. It's just one of those sure. things. Neil Brennan, final comment. One little ship, one little shit sandwich, and then he has an emoji of a sandwich – I hate the way the Jem'Hadar speak. They should sound so much cooler than this jobbing American actors that they always sound like. Um, they do sound... I mean, they, they don't have a species growly dialect to them. He's true about that. Like, they do... They do kind of sound like business people, and maybe it goes to show that they uh, they don't really portray the Jem'Hadar as particularly vicious in this. Like, they, they don't growl or have any kind of, like, animalistic tendencies and how they're portrayed so it's one of those things would would you revise their portrayal clay would you do anything with the Jem'Hadar if you could change if you were a director who was setting the stage for how they were to be portrayed going forward from here on or just in general no from the start probably from the start yeah because um, they did a lot that they got rid of right like they can no longer they no longer have personal force fields that could protect them yeah i, for- they, I forgot about that they don't do the cloaking really <laughs> as much as they could uh, but is there anything in the portrayal that you would have changed? I would just make them more violent, I think. Maybe yeah, they couldn't I would, do that. But I would change their uh, demeanor a bit uh, and make them a little bit more intense. Because I feel like they end up uh, – any species that can talk runs the risk of just sort of homogenizing down to uh, a, a Star Trek villain. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, now we can have Cisco actually have conversations with them on, a, on an intellectual level. It's like, okay, yeah, he can do that with everybody. Yep. You know that it's not, you know, su- Superman. Superman doesn't have to punch everyone. You know, he can also outthink people. Or there's different villains that do different stuff. It doesn't have to all funnel down into one one thing. Um, <clears throat> especially when you've got three groups, like you've got the the Vorta and you've got the Dominion, or sorry, the Changelings, yep. and the Jem Hadar, I feel like they should be a little bit more. Um, uh, uh, they should be a little bit more distinctive because the uh, the 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 Vorta and the, and the Changelings are they've done a pretty good job in making them fairly unique. Um, but I think having having the Jem Hadar be be much more of a uh, uh, those other two groups are a lot more uh, calculating and yep. thoughtful. Yep. And not that the Jem'Hadar shouldn't be that, but you can be uh, calculating and thoughtful, but also aggressive. I would, and they, yeah, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, and they, they seem to have dialed back the aggression on the Jem'Hadar quite a bit. I, I would write them like uh, pit bull attack dogs, where w- when mm. they're sort of out and doing their job, they're like sort of crazed. And like they're they're sort of like scary violent sort of not to yeah. not to denigrate pit bulls, but the contrast would come when the founders are around. They're like a totally obedient puppy that sits by them. You know, yeah. like the, the founders have this control over them that no one else does. And they're so when the founders are around, they're they're very stoic and everything like that, and they kind of sit and they don't speak. But when they're on their own, they're just kind of like sort of high energy animals, basically that are like frightening yeah. to see. 
Now, now they're like attack pit bulls, where when you put them into the the pit for the dog fight, instead of going nuts, they 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 kind of go. What is this life to be a <laughs> pit bull chained to the will of my master when all I want to do is roam free? Be happy. Be happy. Yes. I've written a, I've written a PhD dissertation on the wrong of uh, genetic engineering. I'd like to read it now, but that that would be my that would be my change. It's just to make them a little more uh, violent in that way. I would like to also say I'm very disappointed in the tiny amount of uh, jokes that we got. Tiny being zero, <laughs> and it has really it has really reduced my level of uh, respect for you people. I think it's an episode that people don't care about. Maybe would be a way to look at it. People didn't even care enough. Well, to you make don't puns. have to think so little of it to not that, even make a joke. That's true. That's true. You guys have uh, small. It's <laughs> shrunken. Mini, miniature. Uh, mini, 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 mini. I think Little, it was it. Yellow. Yep. Newport. <laughs> Thank you, patrons, for your comments. Thank you for supporting the show. Clay, what are you going to give this one on our scale of one to five? Uh, three. Okay. It's not a, I mean, I wouldn't call it a two. I don't know. I don't even know what a two is anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I'd call this a two, I think. Uh, if this, I'm like, I'm like, uh, I, I'm two and a half, I'm two hours into Apocalypse Now of the, of uh, up the river of, uh, of Star Trek at this point where I'm like, I've got the puppy inside my flak jacket and I've got my paint on and I don't even know what's going on anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I guess the closest the clo- the three that we had before was uh, the magnificent Ferengi one, which is the Ferengi and Iggy Pop, where they had to rescue Quark's mm-hmm. mother. Mm-hmm. We gave that a three. I still feel that's a, that's a good representation of a three. I think, which is, I, I probably have more problems with this one than I did with that one. Even if I maybe, I don't know, it's tough. I mean, the, the rating thing is always up in the air. I think I'm going to give this a two, is what I'm saying, and I think that it's slightly subpar for like an average episode um, of the show at this point. Yeah, just a lot of, it just it's one of those episodes. that's like it, when it's not good enough to distract me from what it, what I'm thinking to be problems are, which is maybe what the Ma- magnificent Ferengi did. I it's kind of a little bit problematic, I guess, in my in my sense. Yeah, it's. I thought it was fine. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. So far up the river, I'm not. I'm not Dennis Hopper level where I've lost all concept of what is good and bad. And I'm mm. like, you know, he said to me the other day that the middle word in life is if. I haven't gotten to that point. <laughs> um, but it's yeah, it's the the ones that are fine are all kind of running together for me. Yeah, yeah, I, I'd agree with that 100. Uh, percent The the yeah, the middling ones are definitely unmemorable at this point. And remembering the the ones that are better. I'm going to give one little ship a two. Clay will give it a three. We'll just divide things up a little bit here. It's nice when we don't agree even ever so slightly. We'll be back next week with uh, Honor. <laughs> we, have, we have such hard-lined opinions about this episode <laughs> between between uh, don't really care and honestly can't tell the difference. You know what the irony is? On my spreadsheet, I'm going to give you giving it a two and me giving it a three, and we'll never remember, and everything will be mm-hmm, fucked mm-hmm. going forward. Uh, the next one which I was incorrect about last week, is Honor Amongst Thieves, which is what we're talking about next. Uh, that'll be coming out on Monday. So, guys, check out the blurb. All the links are down there, social media, Patreon. You can buy some T-shirts, blah, 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 all that stuff. But Patreon is really the best way to support the show if you like it. You can go to patreon.com slash thepenskefile. It's much appreciated if you do. And we'll be back with Honor Amongst Thieves. Glad do you have anything you want to say, knowing that this episode is going out Thursday of this week? Yes. Uh, finally, movement news on my Kickstarter 
for my graphic novel, Bloody Hell. That will be going live on Monday, August 5th. So the Monday after this drops. Yep. Um, you can go to bloodyhell.com. That's bloody hell with one L, B-L-O-O-D-Y-H-E-L.com. You can go there right now and sign up for my email list which will uh, you know, give you all the insider information before it launches officially, um, if you want to. But you, that site will also redirect to the Kickstarter page. So the place to go for news and information about that, about my Kickstarter, is bloodyhell.com, B-L-O-O-D-Y-H-E-L.com, and it starts on August 5th. Yep. Hope you guys check it out. Or just follow them on Twitter uh, if you... If you uh, well, yeah, I mean, I guess they could do that too. You, Jesus Christ! If you're on, if you're on Twitter, uh, following Clay would be a good way to get those updates. I and think. my name on Twitter is at Dead Meat Comic. Good. So we'll have the Kickstarter next week. This is out Thursday, and then on Monday, so you have a Kickstarter and a new Star Trek episode on Monday. It's a big day. And please, for please, please, please give me money. This is my last shot. I mean, if <laughs> if, 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 I, if this doesn't work, I'm going to have to go back to to working in the mines and should, i don't want to do that should uh, everyone do the ebay sniping thing of just wait until the 11th hour of the 29th day or something and then actually no uh it if you if you think you if you think it's something you're interested in the sooner you can get in on it the better <laughs> I'm, I'm dead serious because the the better first couple days we have it really bumps the profile of, of everything it so. absolutely does absolutely does so if you can guys support early on Kickstarter, it is on. It is a Kickstarter, right? You're literally on Kickstarter. Yes, okay. I'm not using Kickstarter like Kleenex. Okay, good. We that are. Would, that would be very confusing. <laughs> it's not Indiegogo or anything. I need nonsense no, no. like that. No. All right, cool. Well, I'm we're doing done. a Kickstarter, which you can find at Facebook.com/slash crowdfunding. <laughs> I put up a video, uh, you, which you can download as an MP3. On uh, right, so, guys, we will see you later. Check out the Bloody Hell website check out all the social media down below patreon thanks very much we'll see you in a couple days with uh honor among thieves 